Hey, Southside Sox fans. It's a new team, a new season, and a spanking new podcast. This is your friendly neighborhood writer, Year of the Hamster, sending it over to our new podcast hosts, Brett Ballantini and Matt Smith. Well, thank you, Year of the Hamster, for that rousing introduction. You really got me uh, excited about the, the upcoming podcast as well as the, the White Sox season in general. Uh, you can check out her content on SouthsideSox.com. She tends to do a lot of game threads, which I definitely enjoy reading. She's one of my favorite authors on the site. So be sure to check out her content as well as uh, a lot of the other writers on Southside Sox who we hope to debut on this podcast every once in a while. Uh, we're looking to get as many voices as possible and also hear your voices as well. I'm your host, Matthew Smith. I uh, just hopped aboard the Southside Sox train as a co-host and contributor to the site. So I'll be writing monthly articles as well as giving you this uh, weekly podcast, which I'm really excited about. Um, I am been a lifetime White Sox fan myself, and it's it's definitely an honor to be talking about them uh, for SB Nation and uh, for all of you guys that have been followers of the site for years or maybe new to Southside Sox content. I think the thing that makes Southside Sox unique is that the fans really have a say in uh, what's going on, whether that's commenting or replying to us on social media. So feel free to drop us a tweet, Facebook us, Instagram comment, and let us know what you want to see on this podcast because that's, that's really what it's all about. Our uh, Twitter and Facebook handles are both Southside Sox, and our Instagram account, which is relatively new, that is Southside Sox SBN, as in SB Nation. We've been tuning into your comments already on social media. A lot of the requests that have come in have asked for an update of what's going on in our farm system. There's a lot of excitement around the players coming up over the next couple of years, guys that could potentially be on a 2019-2020 playoff team. One of our writers, Darren Black, has been keeping us updated on what's going on with our farm system on SouthsideSox.com. So we're looking to have him participate in a fair amount of shows, whether that's weekly, bi-weekly. We're hoping to get his input and then also um, get some of your guys' input as well on some prospects that you'd like to hear about. Well, I'm excited. We're starting off with episode zero today, we're calling it. We're, we're in a little bit of a trial run, figuring out what's going to be exciting for fans to hear and also for what we want to talk about to differentiate our podcast from others that you may hear on the radio. So we're calling this episode zero. It's going to be a bit of a season preview. Uh, we're working out exactly what we want to talk about and um, seeing what you guys really enjoy. So as I mentioned before, let us know on social media what you want to hear, and if you uh, enjoyed the first podcast today. For today's content, we've got Brett Ballantini joining us. He is the new acting site manager for Southside Sox. I had the pleasure of um, kind of e-meeting him the other day um, and kind of talking over some of the content that we want to talk about on the podcast and uh, just getting to know each other and figuring out exactly the route we want to go down for Southside Sox for the, the future now that we have some new management. So today we discuss a little bit about the 2018 season, some of the keys to success for the Sox, some concerns with the team, and then we finish off with uh, some predictions for the season. Uh, we, we have a large slate of predictions, uh, starting with some different things relating to the White Sox specifically, and then also ending with a World Series pick. 
We talk a little bit about our hitting and pitching MVP for the Sox, and we also uh, talk about maybe some surprise prospects that you guys may be seeing either up in the major leagues later this year or uh, in coming years. My uh, conversation with Brett gets a little bit exciting towards the end. Uh, He wasn't entirely thrilled with my World Series predictions, um, but you guys will just have to wait and see, uh, figure out exactly who both of us are picking to succeed on the Sox this year, as well as succeed overall in the World Series. And uh, yeah, you could just say Brett wasn't too happy with what I was going to say, but why not just jump right into it? Here is my conversation with Brett Ballantini, the new acting site manager of your favorite source for White Sox news, SB Nation's Southside Sox. Let's hear it. Brett, you are now the new acting site manager for Southside Sox. How's it going so far in your first couple weeks? It's been fun. We've got more participation than ever on the site. Uh, We've had some great recent articles like uh, Larry's uh, top 10 prospects for the team down on the farm. And of course, we've debuted our Southside Sox, uh, White Sox Hall of Fame, which is sort of an exciting project that's never been done on the site. So we're launching some new stuff before the season gets launched. Yeah, it's very exciting. I'm very excited to be on board as well. Um, I had some time with Major League Baseball uh, working in their marketing department beforehand. Uh, This is kind of my first time officially writing and talking about the Chicago White Sox, and I think it's definitely a very exciting experience. I'm excited to work uh, alongside you and see exactly what the the site comes to bring, as well as uh, our new podcast, which we're now starting up, uh, I guess, today, officially. Well, welcome. It is great to have you. Yes, Southside Sox, whether you're a longtime uh, reader or new reader or listener, it's great to have you guys on board. So as I've mentioned already, we're going to do a little bit of a season preview today. So are you ready to jump into that one, Brett? Let's do it. Awesome. So let's start with the first topic we have here, which are some of the keys to the season. Uh, I'm going to go with two different options here. The keys to maybe a surprise wildcard run, because many don't think the White Sox can fully contend for a playoff spot this year, as well as a key to just a successful season overall, because we know we're kind of in the midst of a rebuild here, and um, making the playoffs may not be the the main goal of this season. There are a few others along the way. So uh, let's start off here with a key surprise that could be a wildcard run, like what could happen for the White Sox to make a wildcard run this year. I think, Matt, what needs to happen with this team making any sort of run and keeping it exciting, at least through the All-Star break, is having a starting rotation that is at least average. To me, that's really standing out as a clear weakness on this team because the rotation's awful. I mean, you've got James Shields and really Carson Fulmer, who are well below average. If you're going to be generous, you could say uh, that Gonzalez and Ronaldo Lopez are average and that might be charitable i think lucas giolito is a guy i think going into the season we can fairly assume is an above going to have an above average season definitely the rotation is lousy enough that if they can perform really overall average i think the offense actually is better than average defense i think could hold average that could at least keep them in the mix going into september where you know you're within maybe say five games of a wild card (laughs) i think that's the thing that's really gonna have to jump out as a key for them to actually make a playoff run. Yeah, I definitely agree there. I think the, the rotation is going to have to come to flourish and have some young guys really make an early impact. 
Uh, and I think it also comes on the offensive side of the ball. I think we'll need some young players to make an impact there. I think it'd be huge if a guy like Nicky Delmonico or Adam Angle could step up to the plate and quite literally step up to the plate and make a difference. Um, seeing a lot of the, the work that they put in in the offseason, I think there's some potential there. And a lot of what I saw from like maybe the Cubs coming um, to – become the team they are today is they had some guys step up when you weren't really expecting it. So it would be huge if a guy like Adam Angle could have a turnaround year. Uh, he hit below 200 last year, below the Mendoza line, which was tough to see, but he had a very good uh, spring training. And you know you're going to get it from him in the outfield almost every day. So it would be uh, huge if a guy like him or Nicky Delmonico could continue their success from last year and uh, really step up. And in terms of the other aspect of your question, a key to the season, just sort of <laughs> taking the under. Yeah. I mean, really, it's just the, the common stuff you'd be used to hearing, which is uh, stay healthy, keep the guys confident. You don't want to have Tim Anderson have a first half 2017 season Definitely. duplicated. You want him to have that second half. And, you know, a lot of that is just the, the mental stuff that you're going to get from the coaching staff. Obviously, Rick Renarita is a guy who's had some seasoning and sort of uh, dealing with younger players. So I think you're in pretty good hands with that. And of course, Don Cooper on the pitching side, you're going to have ultimate confidence in. So really as a baseline, you just sort of, in a way, you don't want to crash the car because this is a team that's looking ahead 2019, 2020. And uh, so just sort of don't screw anything up. Definitely. And uh, Tim Anderson's a great point there. Just a, a rough start to 2017. I know he had issues off the field with his mental health, etc. And he really turned it around in the second half of the year. I know in September, I think he hit uh, somewhere around 330. I think 331 was the number for September. Uh, three or four home runs there as well. So if we could have him kind of poised for a breakout year, I think that would be huge. Um, and overall, I think some of my keys for a successful season would be kind of no more injuries. We saw a ton of injuries come in the spring, uh, which was definitely tough to see. So we definitely want our prospects out on the field getting reps, whether that's in the minor leagues or in the major leagues. I think it's key to have them get their at-bats um, as well as just kind of learn, this, learn the ropes of the MLB if they're not going to be um, fully ready for a playoff push just yet, which I don't see until around 2019. But um, I think just an overall successful season would be getting players their reps, whether that's in the majors or the minors. And um, if Kopech or Eloy Jimenez is really killing it in the minor leagues to just kind of bring them up and get them ready uh, for the seasons to come. Sure. Get uh, wet the fans' appetite. Exactly. Get <laughs> us a little bit excited. I um, was incredibly hyped to see uh, Yohan Mankata come up and play um, last year. And then I remember I saw Tim Anderson's first game in a White Sox jersey live at, um, I guess it was U.S. Cellular Field back then. Uh, <laughs> it'll be tough for me to start calling it guaranteed, guaranteed rate field, especially watching that arrow point down. Sox Park, Matt. Yes, Sox Park. Comiskey, <laughs> my dad still calls it. Um, so whatever you want to call it, as long as we start seeing some more wins uh, in that stadium, that works for me. So uh, jumping on to our next category here, uh, we're going to talk about some players to watch. I know we've already touched upon a few on my list. I have two current major league players as well as one minor leaguer. Uh, who do you have down for some of the players to watch in 2018? We already talked a little bit about Tim Anderson, and to me he's the guy who sort of bridges this uh, 
old White Sox, an old yeah. guard, and this new rebuild. Uh, and again, his season, as we've already alluded to, really could sort of be split down the middle in terms of his success. And the good news is it was trending in the right way by the end of the season. I think if he can continue to sustain that, obviously he's in the middle infield. He's developing a great relationship with Mankata already, so that seems promising and that both offensively and defensively they're going to they could be a real great middle infield combo for, geez, a decade here. Uh, and let's hope that that sort of thing gets really started off with first full seasons together. Uh, so he really is a key to me in that, you know, White Sox have had so much trouble developing really any players and certainly position players. So for him to actually have success would, in a way, give the fan base something to feel confident about in terms of the regime that has sort of caught a lot of flack, deservedly so, for really not doing much for this ball club since 2008. So Tim Anderson's really, I think, a pivotal guy uh, to me. He's a guy who's jumping out to me as the player to watch for the team. Yeah, I totally agree with that there. And I think, to your point, how the White Sox have had trouble developing players in the past. I think Tim Anderson would be a real true success story since he didn't play much baseball growing up at all. Some of his uh, first years were in high school, going into college, and he wasn't even sure. He thought he was going to be a basketball player. Ends up playing in the major leagues now, and uh, if he could really turn his bat into something that's to be reckoned with in the American League, I think that would be a huge success story. One for the White Sox to see that and draft him in the first round and then really develop him into the talent he is today. Um, but yeah, I had him on my list as well. Uh, another major leaguer that I had down there was Carson Fulmer. I, I think he really has some electric stuff, and if he can really put it all together and have kind of one collective successful season, I think that would be huge. And I also don't think it would be too bad of a negative, as people are putting it, if he doesn't end up as a starter. I've seen a lot of comparisons out there of him to David Robertson, and I, I see it as well, kind of that funky delivery, good off-speed stuff, great curveball. And I personally wouldn't be too upset if he doesn't end up working out as a starter for the Sox and yeah. ends up falling to the bullpen. Uh, I don't want to see him fall flat on his face and jump back down to AAA. I don't know if that would be the best for his overall confidence and growth, but I think if he could put some good starts together and maybe can't prove to get past that fourth, fifth, sixth inning, uh, that maybe it gets to the point where Renteria really has to push him to the bullpen and say, all right, enough's enough. We've tried him in the, as a starter. We know he has this stuff. We can put him in the bullpen and see what he does from there. I'm guilty of this like most fans. We we tend to look now at relievers other than the elite guys as, you know, failures, these failed pitchers, these failed starters. And the truth is, at the same time we think that, the bullpen is more and more important than it's ever been in baseball. So you sort of can't have it both ways. It's a good point. I like that you're bullish on him. And listen, I hope what we saw at the end of spring training is the real Carson Fulmer because then my bad vibes about the rotation, well, you can start throwing those out because Fulmer's going to end up being a surprise at number five instead of, uh, you know, a guy that we're rolling our eyes about. Exactly. I would love to see that turn around and uh, see the rotation really uh, come to flourishing, as I've said. Um, and then actually my last guy here was a minor leaguer, um, Blake Rutherford. I, I'd love to see Blake kind of turn around this year. I know a lot of White Sox fans don't know much about him, especially because once he came around from the Yankees trade last year, he only hit 213 with Kannapolis. And uh, I think he only had five extra base hits in around 150 plate appearances. So he was one of the top guys in the Yankees system, and the Yankees really have – uh, a great farm system and a, and a great major league team now as well. They're going to be a force to be reckoned with for the next couple of years. 
But um, I think Blake Rutherford uh, is someone that can really turn it around this year. He uh, didn't prove it with the Sox, but I think he uh, had a great time with the Yankees, was uh, killing it for them, and I think he could turn around and uh, really be a player to watch in 2018. Still in our top ten prospects list, thank you, Larry. But uh, so we haven't given up on him, that's for sure. Definitely, I think there's a lot of optimism uh, surrounding the Sox right now. I know Sox Fest was a very exciting time. A lot of fans were out there excited about getting autographs, meeting players, and there's definitely a lot of hype around the Sox that really hasn't been there since '05, '08. Uh, some of the last times we were really competitive in the American League, especially in the American League Central. Uh, what, what's your biggest area of concern going into 2018? Well, touched on it with the key to the season, a key to a magic season being a rotation that's adequate at all. I think specifically, though, a concern is the rotation depth. We don't even really have five starters that you could call legitimate major league starters because I'm sorry. I hope that James Shields' uh, experimentation with uh, his wiffle ball arm angles turns out great, and I hope he's an all-star and everybody at Southside Sox can eat their words, giving him tweaks all spring. Uh, i Doubt it's going to happen. Um, so, I mean, we're struggling to even get to five major league stars. And the truth is, Chris Volstad in Charlotte is going to be probably our number, our number seven. Santiago, uh, Hector Santiago's come back, had a good spring, but he's not exactly someone you're going to take to the bank. So, to me, a glaring concern, more so than the bullpen. The bullpen struggled a lot last year. Uh, I think the bullpen has proven it's it's bolstered for this season based on some trades and some young guys stepping up. So I think the rotation now really steps to the fore for me as a, a real uh, a concern, particularly the depth. Yeah, so I can tell that's been a major theme for you. It's uh, on the concerns as well as uh, some possible keys to the season. So uh, <laughs> we'll definitely keep an eye out for see how the rotation does overall. Um, yeah, it, it should be should be interesting. I think we definitely have some good young arms, and if Carlos Rodon can come back strong from his injury, I think that'll be huge for the rotation. Um, I think he could lead the team in Ks per nine innings, maybe not overall strikeouts, because I think is going to get a fair amount of innings this year. I'd love to see him get up towards that, uh, that 170 mark. Uh, I don't think we've had a White Sox pitcher come close to that in the last couple of years. I know after we traded uh, Jose Quintana last year, um, that we didn't really have anyone that was kind of someone we could rely on throughout the season. But um, for my biggest area of concern, I, I don't even know if this could be fully phrased as a concern, but I want to kind of see the next steps that Rick Hahn takes in this rebuild. So I know from watching, I know our Sox fans aren't going to love me here talk about the Cubs, but Theo Epstein <laughs> kind of took the, the perfect approach. You saw him with the Red Sox with that rebuild, getting them that World Series in 2004. And then uh, coming over to Chicago and getting them that 2016 uh, World Series championship, he really kind of mastered the rebuild and the idea of uh, bringing young players together as well as making those late trades uh, and additions in the uh, free agent market to make his team successful on the field. So I'd love to see the the final steps that Rick Hahn takes. He's done an incredible job so far trading the, the assets that we had early on, Chris Sale, Jose Quintana, and getting back prospects for it. But um, I don't. I hope he doesn't get too trade happy. I'd love to see uh, Jose Abreu stay on the team. I think he was kind of an integral part in bringing in some of the Cuban players that we have. I think Luis Robert was excited about coming on board with Jose Abreu, and then we also have young guy like Moncada who's still learning the ropes in the major leagues as well. And I think Abreu can be kind of a big support system for them. So I'd hate to see him go. 
And then as well for Avi Garcia, he had an incredible year last year, and I'm, I'm kind of a big supporter of him. I think he's going to come back strong in the, this year. I don't think he'll be up high in the 300s again. He might kind of fall down to that 290 range. But I still think he could be a force for our team in the future, and I wouldn't uh, go about trading him unless they're really going to send us over their, the entire farm system. I don't really want to kind of give him up for a few small pieces here or there. I'd like to see kind of uh, building upon the original foundation we have as well as using the prospects currently. So, yeah, my overall area concern is just making sure we don't go the, down some of the bad routes uh, from the rebuild. But I have all the trust in Rick Hahn. It's, uh, it's been great to see him start up so far. And a lot of people have been worried about him making moves in the future because the White Sox have been kind of bad in the past with making trades. But I'm, I'm, I'm not too concerned about that as well. I think Rick Hahn will make the moves that he needs to when he has to when it comes to uh, the Sox competing for a playoff spot. Yeah, it's a completely different team when Ken Williams was running it where they were always supposedly just one piece away and they wanted to stay competitive the way they did. They're in a different position now. Rick Hahn's proven, if anything, he's got a heck of a poker face, so I think you're going to really have to overwhelm him to pry away even a Garcia. Uh, you could say sell high. Well, he's going to make sure that he's going to get a lot if he is selling. And by the Definitely. way, with uh, Abreu, put the C on the guy's chest already. Keep him here in Chicago as long as he wants to play. Give him the captaincy, and let's just move on. Let's get done with that. I agree. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of sick of hearing the trade talk, and uh, I want him to be a sock for life. Uh, we're jumping on to one of the most exciting parts of our season preview, which will be our predictions for the upcoming season. So for this section here, we're going to break down uh, a few different things. The first Sox prospect called up, Sox hitting MVP and pitching MVP for the season, and then a surprise slash breakout player as well as prospects who turns heads and the White Sox overall record and World Series picks. That was a mouthful. We've got a lot coming. But let's start off with who we think the first prospect called up for the Chicago White Sox will be in 2018. Well, there's some easy picks there. I'm going to go with one that might be a little boring and white bread, but I'm going to say it's going to be Ryan Cordell because there's going to be an injury. There's going to be uh, perhaps, you know, Engel does uh, find that once the weather dips under 50 degrees, he's not going to be able to hit the way he did in Arizona. And I just think the guy showed enough uh, that, say, Delmonico, uh, Delmonico uh, tweaks himself, uh, you know, hamstring or shoulder or whatnot, you know, more injury bug. Uh, I just see Cordell getting an early quick call uh, up so it doesn't really uh, attend to the uh, Jimenez's and the Kopecks of the world, but I do think he's going to be the first guy and a guy who's actually going to have an opportunity to contribute to the team. Yeah, that, that's a great call there. I honestly didn't uh, think of that when the first player that came to my head. Uh, but yeah, Cordell had a great spring, was competing for an outfield spot, and I think he needs his reps down in AAA. But yeah, if there's an early injury or angle isn't getting it done, that will probably be one of the Sox's first moves. Um, so yeah, I'm going to go with one of the more basic answers uh, that you tried to avoid there. I'm going to say Eloy Jimenez. I think he's going to really push the agenda early on. Uh, as you can see from his early spring training performances, his home run against the Cubs, and then following up with a home run, a triple in his next spring training game. I think it's just going to get to the point where uh, Rick Hahn's going to be forced to uh, bring him up to the Major League team. I think he's more than Major League ready, and I think he's going to kind of run the table in the minor leagues this year and kind of force that force Rick Hahn's hand in uh, – have him come up once his service time uh, threshold has been met. Well, it's funny with him, too. He's the guy asked when he was sent down, hey, you know, are you a major league? He's like, yeah. And and 
anybody else you might talk to, you know, obviously Kopech had his problems and, and Dylan Cease hasn't, you know, pitched, you know, a full season without injury. Uh, but he's one guy who can say it, and basically, how can you question it? I mean, obviously, yeah. Rakan's questioning it, and he's going to make him go through the paces and so forth. But he's one guy who says, yeah, I'm ready, and we've seen nothing that actually proves that's not the case. So I think it's astute. You know, again, my answer was a cheat in terms of the legit pro- uh, prospects. I'm with you. I think he's the guy who comes up sooner than maybe we think. Definitely. And I, I love that confidence with him and as just saying that he's he's coming up and he's ready to go and uh, he's going to be an exciting player to watch for the years to come. And I'm glad we have him under control. Yeah, absolutely. I can't wait to him to get up here because I haven't been as excited. I was very briefly as excited when uh, the tank uh, uh, Viciato came up. But I mean, you know, since Frank, Frank, I would stop what I was doing, drop what I was doing and watch the television set. You couldn't miss an at-bat, and I'm, I'm going to guess that Jimenez is going to have the same effect on every fan. Definitely. I hope he's uh, someone the Cubs come to regret <laughs> for years and years to come. Next, we've got White Sox hitting MVP for the season. There's, there's an easy answer here, but there's also a few others that you could throw in there as well. Yeah, I guess the easy answer is our first baseman. I don't know. He's been so consistent. So that, I'll take that as the easy answer. But I'm going to say Yohan Mankata is the guy that I'm really looking forward to to stepping. What he did at the end of spring, I think, is what he could do maybe getting out of the gate, but certainly for big chunks of the season. The fact he's taken on leadoff, he wants to bat first or second in the order. He knows that he really is a five-tool guy. He's going to use his speed. He's going to use his smarts. And, you know, he's he's still relatively new to the major leagues. Uh, again, seeing that sort of confidence, knowing, again, in the practice games of the Cactus League, that he's actually backed up his talk, uh, tells me he's a guy, mostly because of his versatility, I'm going to peg as our offensive MVP. Yeah, I'd love to see that as well, especially because he hasn't run a full season yet in the MLB. I think it would be huge for him to get that under his belt, especially where he's now officially the starter. He knows he's playing second base. He knows he's not spending any time in the minor leagues. He can really focus uh, his time in the majors and getting ready to play and be the everyday second baseman for the Chicago White Sox. So I'm excited to see what Mankata brings. Um, so I'm going to go with his uh, his next-door neighbor in Tim Anderson. I, I think Tim's really going to turn it around this year. Um, as I alluded to before, he had some mental health issues going on in the 2017 campaign, but once he was able to kind of work through that himself after dealing with the death of one of his best friends, uh, he really turned it around. Uh, I, I mentioned before he hit uh, 339 in September, three home runs, uh, and one of the keys, one of my most important keys to this September was only two errors. Uh, he made 12 in the first two months. Um, which is definitely tough to see. He led the entire major league uh, in errors last year, so it's good to see him slowly transition back towards um, some good defense. So I think he kind of turns it into an all-around campaign, and Tim Anderson's a, a breakout hitter for the Sox in 2018. Well, forget my concerns about rotation. If Tim Anderson is our offensive MVP, we're going to be nibbling at that wild card and we're going to have a much more exciting season than we think because yeah. and that's no diss on Tim Anderson. There are guys going in this season, you would say, are much greater offensive threats. So if he can be a guy who launches himself to the front of the pack, we're in great shape. Definitely. And if you have Bobby Garcia playing the way he did last year and then Jose Abreu and you have Tim Anderson either following up in the uh, order there or even hitting in the two slot, uh, I don't think he's going to start there to start the season. But if he's really performing, that's three great bats in your order that all have the ability to hit over 300. And I think that would be kind of a, a scary middle of the lineup. But we'll, we'll see if Tim could get to that point. 
from your concerns with the pitching rotation, <laughs> who could be someone that steps out as an MVP uh, in that rotation that could struggle or could uh, show some young, promising talent? Yeah, in our in, in, to look at it overall, you know, Nate Jones is the most reliable guy I think go on, but I'm, of course, uh, being a uh, modern thinker as I am, I tend to devalue the uh, importance of the relief pitcher, which uh, maybe that makes me not modern. I don't know. But, uh, you know, Nate, I think, is even going to struggle. Perhaps the team's going to baby him enough, uh, if that's the right term, to not be running him out there uh, back-to-back so much and even making him some sort of official closer. I don't think they're really going to run with that, at least uh, out of the gate. So I'm going to have to pick somebody from rotation. If I do, it's going to be Lucas Giolito. He was lights out uh, pretty much in uh, uh, August and September last year. He's shown no signs of letting up in the spring. And again, it's still just spring fake baseball. But uh, I think the guy's really turned a corner. uh, So this might be an award by default. Uh, but presuming it isn't, I think he's going to have a really strong year. I think he's going to really open some eyes. He has an outside chance of even being an all-star for the uh, White Sox this year if he can have a good first half. So he's going to be my pitching MVP for the season. Yeah, it's a great call. He had, he had an excellent spring, and a, he I think he has a great mentality as well, just kind of hearing him talk about his successes and struggles, starting with Washington and then coming over to the Sox and really working um, on his game over the years. He was a first-round pick in 2012, I believe it was, out of high school, and has slowly fought his way to the majors, and I think it would be huge for him to have a breakout season, and he seems poised for it. So I'd have to agree with you there. He's definitely my pick as the Sox MVP. But I'd also love to see it be Carlos Rodon. Uh, I know he's he's going to miss the first two months of the season, but I, I think he really has potential if he can avoid the injury route and then also kind of sum up his game overall. He struggled with walks early on in his career. If he can cut down those walk numbers, uh, keep the K numbers high as well, I think it would be um, really exciting to see Carlos turn the table and really uh, run with it in 2018. Um, it'll be a little while till we see him on the field, but I think once he gets out there, he can finally live up to that hype um, when we drafted him out of college, and um, I'm excited to see what he can do when he uh, gets back on the field. Yeah, let's not forget that he's a guy who really qualifies, and I think SoxFest really brought this out, as the leader of the pitching staff. Obviously, the guys are deferring to James Shields. He's the older guy, and I'm sure he has imparted some sort of wisdom and guidelines and how much to tip, whatever he's actually <laughs> yeah. telling these guys. Uh, but the rest, you know, they're young guns. Uh, Carlos is he's obviously not an old guy, but he stepped up at SoxFest and he stepped up to the media as a guy who I think is really wanting to fill the shoes of being a leader of the staff. And uh, so, I mean, I think that's going to be an underrated part of what he brings to the team when he is back and healthy. So yeah, overall, he really could be an MVP type of guy based on his performance and what he does in the clubhouse. Yeah, and it would be exciting to see as well if when he comes back, say we're 45, 50 games into the season, to see the White Sox maybe at 25 and 25 lingering around 500 and uh, see if he can make an impact there. Um, I don't know if they'll get to that point. They might be probably five or so games under 500 at the 50-game mark. But um, if they're if they're fighting around uh, that second wild card spot, it could be a, a big momentum push to have him there, and then eventually bringing up Kopech and Jimenez as well to join that crew. That that could be um, something exciting for Sox fans to watch from uh, summer baseball. 
I like your optimism, Matt. Yeah, I'm, I'm feeling very optimistic <laughs> today. Um, yeah, I know you've you've had some issues with the rotation, and I'm starting to throw out some of the positives there, so we can counteract uh, some of the negativity on your side. But um, I, I'll be bad cop. Yes, exactly. We'll do the good good cop bad cop routine. But um, no, I, I I do definitely agree with you that there are some worries with the rotation, but. Um, as we've said, I'm playing the good cop today, so throwing out some of uh, the pluses for Giolito, Rodon, and then possibly Kopech when he comes up to the team. Next, your surprise breakout player for 2018. All right, let me reverse course, and let me throw out there Ronaldo Lopez. I think nice. he's going to be a guy who is going to put it together. He's at wildness problems all spring. Uh, he had a little bit of wildness trouble when he came up last year. I think when... Both guys, uh, Giolito and Lopez, got called up last year. Probably the money would have been on Lopez to hit the ground running a little bit harder. I think his numbers at AAA were better last year. Uh, but as it turns out, uh, Lucas sort of shot past him. Um, Lopez is electric. He's a fun guy. He's a guy I love to watch. And so this is me thinking maybe a little and also hoping that he's sort of our breakout surprise guy because he's a lot of fun to watch. He's got a killer arm. And as a guy who's going to be, you know, future number two, number three uh, in this rotation, uh, I just want to see him have as much success as he can right away. And I think he's got it in him. Yeah, I, I think he's one of the the less talked about pitchers. I feel like a lot of guys will go after the Giolito, Ceases, and um, Kopecks of the world when they're talking about our future prospects. But uh, Ronaldo Lopez was highly regarded last year. He met his uh, threshold for being considered a prospect, so he's no longer on our prospect list. But I definitely agree with you there that um, if he's a, a breakout pitcher on our uh, rotation this year, that'd be huge for the team. Um, my side, I'm going to go on the opposite side of the ball here and uh, go with Adam Engel. I know a lot of people have been jokingly talking about him, saying like, oh, you know, he's a great defender. He'll be good to have around for a little bit um, and then move on to the next guy. But I, I, I really think that after playing, I played two years of collegiate baseball myself. I noticed that kind of having a strong mentality is a huge thing in baseball itself. Uh, baseball is a huge mental game. Um, from what I've been reading and seeing about Adam Angle, it seems like he's got his head in the right place. He really uh, took to heart a lot of the criticisms about his hitting last year and really worked hard in this offseason. It showed definitely in spring training. I, and I know that's just spring training and you can't take that all to heart. But uh, I think if he comes out strong, it would be exciting to see him really uh, kind of take his gym rat mentality out onto the field. And even if he hits 240, 230 uh, in the lower 200s, I think that balances out with his great fielding ability where he could have a war that's positive um, and maybe even two or three games, um, which would be great to see and see if he can make his speed work for him, um, whether that's laying down some bunts or just uh, squeaking out some infield hits, anything to get on base. Um, it'd be exciting to see his bat come around along with his glove. Yeah, you see it in his aggressiveness. The guy's got some meat on him. He can actually put the ball in the gap. He obviously can put it over the fence. I believe he tied for the team league in homers in the Cactus yeah. League. Uh, so you're right. Look, let's say it's 220, but if that 220 comes with some, some gap power, uh, that's a big difference just from last year. I mean, the fact that he's not going to be this light-hitting guy who's going to you're going to sort of pray for a, a, a hit down the line to, get, to squeeze a triple out, but he can actually push stuff to the wall. 
uh, or, or over the fence, uh, it's going to be a big change for him. Yeah. Um, I think both of those guys are poised for an opportunity to participate. They're both going to have um, some good time out on the field, so it'll all be about what they can officially do themselves and uh, see if they can really push the agenda and get it done for the, the Sox this year. So who's uh, your surprise breakout player in the minor leagues this year? All right, we have to, we're dismissing all the big names. So, you know, here's a name that we actually got somewhat familiar with, uh, certainly with, uh, I believe, a three-run homer in the uh, Cactus League finale yesterday. I'm going to choose Sebi Zavala. He's uh, a guy, I think, who has come, at the very least, even with Zach Collins, I believe, somewhat officially, he has pushed past him because he is on the Charlotte Knights roster. I believe it's a bit of an injury issue with Kevin Smith, uh, but he was a guy selected to be on that roster and not Zach Collins, so I think he's pushed ahead of him. And I think it's somewhat deserved. His OPS in minor league play is exactly the same as Collins. I know he's a year older, but he's shown some pop. I, th- I think what he's shown us in Cactus League tells you that, uh, you know, this is a guy who is perhaps on the fast track. And the Sox, I know, have slowed down their sort of famous fast track to the to the major leagues, which was a little bit more predominant under Ken Williams. But if a guy is showing he's ready, give him the opportunity. I think that's what they're doing with him uh, from opening day in Charlotte. Yeah, that's that's definitely a great point and uh, good choice too from um, some of the lower down prospects. Some of the guys we're not hearing about every day. Um, so my choice here was, I guess, someone we hear about a decent amount, but not kind of in that top five is uh, Dane Dunning. I think he's uh, he's not one of the top starting pitching prospects we have. You hear about Cease and Kopech all the time. But from what I've seen from Dane Dunning, watching him uh, a little bit in spring training as well as um, kind of keeping track of his stats last year, I think he's a very efficient pitcher overall. And just kind of seeing his mentality out on the mound, it seems like he really knows how to uh, work around hitters and really kind of uh, push himself to kind of meet his game plan and know his strengths and uh, rely on that. So I'd love to see him kind of throw his hat in the uh, starting rotation at some point. Uh, I think he really has the potential to do it and would be kind of a surprise to Sox fans who think that the uh, future rotation might only include Giolito, Kopech, Lopez, Cease, etc. And Matt, he's the third guy who came over in that Adam Eaton trade. The third That's guy. That's crazy, especially with Adam Eaton <laughs> sitting out all of last year and then uh, us picking up all those prospects there. That was that was definitely some highway robbery there for uh, Rick Hahn if those guys can all get it done at the major league level. All right, what was our next topic here? Let's see. I believe it was the White Sox record for 2018. It, it was. was. All right, and so would you like to start off there? Uh, I don't know if this is going to be optimistic, pessimistic. What are we going with for 2018? I'm going to stick with bad cop. Now, listen, coming out of spring training, I've been sort of talking this team up and thinking, you know, this is this team's going to be better than we think. And then, you know, in prep for talking to you about this, I sort of went game by game through the schedule, and the number I came up with wasn't so good. It was one more win than last year, but I'm saying this is a 68-94 team. Now, would I be shocked if there's, say, a 78-win team? I'm cool with that. I think there's potential, and I think there's much greater potential for them to, to get up to 78 wins than it fall to 58 wins, for sure. But 
what can I tell you? I'm going to get one more win than last year, and the rebuild stays in, in, in full power because we're going to, get, going to get another high draft choice. Yeah, uh, I would definitely love to bring in some more draft picks, and I think some people would be upset with your 68-game win, win projection because I think the biggest line was set at exactly 68. So that means there would be uh, no winners on either <laughs> side there. There'd be someone watching the last game of the year just praying for them to get a win or a loss if they're taking the over the under there. Um, but yeah, that'd be, that'd be interesting if it landed at exactly 68. Um, but so yeah, going back to our, our usual good cop, bad cop routine, I'm going to go with, uh, the over here and say that the, the White Sox are going to win 75 games in, uh, 2018, which would put them at 75 and 87, barring any type of, uh, rain out or anything that, uh, doesn't get played. But I, I really think this is a better team. I think they can, um, up their win total and I, think they finished last year off 22 and 22, if I'm not mistaken, uh, somewhere in that range. But they're around 500 the last two months of the season, which if they could play 500 ball in uh, 2018, I think there would be a lot of very happy Sox fans. And, you know, the caveat, of course, who wouldn't come up with a caveat like this, but Kopech pitches well at Charlotte and comes up pretty much right when his uh, service time kicks in uh, or kicks out. Uh, and same goes for Jimenez. If those two guys are up there and uh, producing for the team, well, of course, I'm going to go ahead and say, no, wait, I threw the caveat way back there in uh, March. Cut it out. Uh, no, I, I'm saying 78 wins, but you know, we're going to presume it's going to be just a normal sort of progression, a normal sort of struggle. And, uh, all right, I'll stick with 68. I hate being a downer, but you know, it's what I came up with. Hey, you got to be realistic at times. You can't be, uh, too excited about a team when you're, when you're not supposed to be. So it's good to have someone that's balancing out while I'm bringing the optimism. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm excited to see. And one of the tough things I guess we'll start to learn with having our own podcast here is that there's, there's actual documented evidence of our predictions. So usually like with my friends or something, if I say, oh yeah, the White Sox are going to win, you know, 80 games this year <laughs> and then they end up winning, say 90, I could be like, oh yeah, yeah, I definitely said that. You don't remember? Um, but yeah, now everybody's going to know exactly what we're predicting. So maybe we can come back mid-season and give our, our mid-season predictions if we're completely off uh, come July. Or just backward mask something so that my 68 sounds like 86. Uh, I trust you can do that. Yeah, exactly. I've, I've been, uh, I took some computer programming classes in college, so I can go back and uh, kind of doctor the tape up a little bit and have us with some perfect projections at the end of the season. Cool. That works. So with the World Series, so this isn't exactly White Sox related. I mean, I'm sure we'd all hope it to be, but um, maybe not till 2020. But who's your uh, World Series pick for this year? Yeah, I looked at all the teams, and I tell you, this is the most boring prediction ever, but I see the same two teams being the strongest in their leagues, really. I mean, sure, I could say the Cubs are coming back strong, and they have to be a favorite for the World Series. But Lord knows, on the very first Southside Sox podcast, I'm not going to say anything asinine like that. Forget it. <laughs> Whether or not it turns out to be true, I'm not going to predict it. So I'm going with Houston and L.A. again. Uh, okay. L.A., I know, has got a little bit of uh, questions perhaps in the in the rotation, but they're loaded. Houston's loaded. And I know New York's come out strong. The Yankees are a great uh, contender in the American League. But, all right, I'll be boring like uh, those years back in the, the late 70s and 80s where it seemed like the Dodgers and Yankees were there uh, year after year. Uh, I'm going to say Astros against the Dodgers once again. Yeah, and, and who would you have winning that matchup there? You know, why not flip it 
and have it go seven and give it to the Dodgers this time. I don't have any particular affinity for the Dodgers, but just for curiosity's sake, let's say they take it in seven games. Yeah, that would definitely be exciting to see, and I'm sure baseball fans would be very happy if we got a World Series like last year. Uh, some of the most exciting baseball I've ever seen played. Just a, a total back-and-forth battle, and uh, I think another Game 7 of uh, Astros-Dodgers really wouldn't hurt uh, too many people. Yeah. Um, so for my picks here for the World Series, um, so I'm an East Coast guy. I grew up in the Connecticut area, and a lot of my friends were New York Yankees fans. And as much as I'd hate to see all of them get uh, incredibly excited about the Yankees again this year, I really think that they have the potential to get it done. That lineup's going to be scary good with Stanton and Sanchez and Judge in the middle. Um, those are three of the best, pl- some of the best players in baseball that could all be all-star starters this year, um, which would be pretty terrifying if there were three Yankees in the uh, the all-star starting lineup. But I, I think that their their organizations willing to get it are willing to do anything to get it done, and uh, I think they'll make some trades uh, mid season to get some pitching, um, and hopefully it'll be a, a repeat where they send the White Sox over some more prospects and, and trade for some relievers or perhaps a starter that gets it done for us. Um, but I really think the Yankees are going to get there, and I think their home field advantage is really going to be what pushes them there. Going to that stadium, especially in a playoff atmosphere, those fans can be ruthless and um, they get real loud. So I think it'll be tough for anyone who goes into that stadium. And then uh, this might be my last podcast after I say this, but I think the the Cubs will be opposing them on the other side. Um, hopefully, you don't kick me off after this and find another writer to to talk about the <laughs> talk about the Sox on the radio. But I think the Cubs. Um, they have all the pieces there. They have all the depth, and it's even to the point where they're struggling to figure out who to start, uh, whether it's in the outfield or in the infield, um, to kind of sum their lineup up together. And I think that the the Cubs will face the Yankees in the World Series. And uh, I see you just nodding or shaking your head here in disappointment, but Sox will get their time, and uh, I'll let the other side of Chicago have a little success for a little bit. This is a clear breakdown in production notes and production meeting. <laughs> I want to let all the Southside Sox podcast listeners say, what in the world is Matt predicting? Yankees and the Cubs. All right, let's get it out of the way then. If you got to predict it, let's get it out of the way in 2018 because I don't ever want to hear anything else got again. Wow. All right, that was tough to take. I was holding my head. That was painful, but... Uh, I apologize. It's going to be tough. <laughs> I apologize. I had to do it. Had to uh, upset some listeners, but had to bring some realism into it. And I think come October, if it is true, then unfortunately we're both going to be upset about it, but we'll both have to uh, maybe tip our caps and say we saw the uh, the two best teams get it done. Sox got cheated out of the 1994 World Series. Let's cheat those Yahoos, the Yankees, and the Cubs out of their World Series. I don't know how they're going to do it. Figure out a way. Manfred's got some crazy ideas, so maybe he'll figure out a way to cancel a Yankees-Cubs World Series. He wouldn't do it if at gunpoint, but who knows? Yeah, I, I was born in 1995, so I don't know much about the 94 lockout. But I've heard my dad talk about it a fair amount. So um, I, I, I think that was a depressing season for Sox fans, and I was kind of the lucky one who got to see 05, where <laughs> I know a lot of Sox fans struggled along the way to get to that point. Well, I think that wraps up all of our topics here. Brett, do you have anything else you want to touch upon uh, for our first season preview podcast? 
Not at all. Thanks for listening. We're going to have a lot of fun this year. Yeah. So this was, I think we're calling it our episode zero. So (laughs) don't judge us too harshly. Uh, We're still working out the kinks and uh, we're excited to kind of bring you a full season of White Sox baseball. We're going to try and do, I believe, a weekly podcast. If it's episode zero too, we can technically maybe pretend at least the very end of that just didn't happen. Exactly. Yeah, we can we can <laughs> pretend that uh, I didn't even bring up a Cubs Yankees World Series. Uh, you know, I mentioned it was going to be White Sox Reds. <laughs> Thank you guys for tuning in. Um, we have some more exciting content coming to you guys throughout the rest of the season. Um, we also want to hear your opinions as well. So we're going to be reaching out on social media. We have uh, an Instagram account now. It's uh, Southside Sox SBN for SB Nation. Um, and then we also have a Twitter and Facebook account as well that are both Southside Sox. And as you know, you can always get Southside Sox content on SouthsideSox.com. Uh, we're excited to have you guys for this year, and we're looking forward to continuing on. All right, let's play ball.